Notorious Moms, the struggles of parenthood while trying to be successful and follow your dreams. Things that people go through that they think and never say. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Notorious Moms. We out here. I'm here with my homegirl co-host, Gina. Yes, how are you? What's up, boo? How you doing? Very happy to be here once again. How was your weekend? My weekend was absolutely wonderful. What'd you do this weekend? I didn't get a chance to chat with you. You know, I I was born and raised in Brooklyn, but I'm living in Queens and I haven't been to Brooklyn in a bit. So I took the family out to Dumbo and... Oh, yeah. You were talking about that. It looks really nice. It's, you know, I, they have a, the only upgrade, actually. So it looks really good. They have a nice rooftop bar. And, um, oh, I have to get down there. Yeah, I was there with Chris and, and, and Brian, who's actually doing a little boxing right now. And uh, he's at the Gleason. So oh, big nice. up to the Gleason, downtown oh. Brooklyn. Um, yeah, so we were there for a little while. The, the day was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it was nice yesterday. It was beautiful. Clear skies. It was gorgeous. I mean, it was a little cloudy. And then we had a little snow. It was cold, though. Oof. It was These brisk. past couple of days have been a little chilly, I must say. Definitely brisk, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I love the winter, so. No, I don't. I don't like the winter. I did. The winter is bad for my skin. It may, it gives me, like, crack skin. I have to put, like, extra moisturizer, um, a lot of lotion, coconut oil, so that my skin doesn't dry out. I don't really like the winter. It's not very good for me. Well, that part is not fun, but I love the layers. <laughs> I'm a little chunky, so I love the layers, you know? I don't think I'm ready for the summer yet. I am. I'm ready. Well, no, but not, actually, you know, not body ready because, you know, I'm a little, ch- I'm a little chunky monkey myself, but it's all good. Now you're a confident Just biatch. having, you know, I just ate some chicken wings and platanos and they were banging. Thank you. I had some. So it's hard to, you great. know, want to lose weight uh, when you like to eat. You gonna love it when the host cooks for you. She just does some buffalo wings, does some she had the hot sauce, my favorite hot sauce. Won't <laughs> mention no names unless I'm getting paid. My mother-in-law got the hot sauce when she was here the last time. Well, big up to your mother-in-law. Yes, I love her. She's the bomb. I love her too. Um, I took a CPR class yesterday. How was it? It was really dope. I have never taken a CPR class. Um, and they taught us how to do CPR on adults and children, which, you know, the infant portion was... Um, really interesting for me because you know i have an infant and it's really good to know i thought it was really dope so that's what i did yesterday and besides just like watching some tv i was um scrolling through netflix and i found this documentary regarding um an athlete that went to prison and i thought that was really you know it was it was a good documentary but it kind of got me to thinking back on you know something that happened to me very similar um, a couple of years ago, you know, this athlete, he got into some trouble. He went to jail. And that's kind of how the docuseries went. So I was kind of thinking back on my experience and what I went through a few years ago um, regarding my husband and incarceration. So um, a couple of years ago, I would say it was 2020, 2016. So, was it 2016 or 2017? I don't remember. But a couple of years ago, uh, my husband caught a case and um, he ended up, he was on, he was on bail. He was out on bail for about a year. And then he ended up, you know, he was fighting the case from the outside, but he ended up doing two years um, in state prison. 
So as I was watching this documentary, it kind of brought flashbacks about like my experience and um, what I went through and how how difficult it was for me, you know, going through this. And it got me to thinking about, I'm sure other people, other women um, and other families have gone through, you know, someone they loved being incarcerated. Yeah, but how long did you date before that happened? Um, oh, we were, t- I met my husband in 2008. Quite a long time. So we've been dating for a really long time um, before this happened. So how was that transition? Like he came to you and told you this is what's going on or you guys kind of knew this was coming? So it kind of just happened all very fast. Um, he ended up, he was at my house one night. He went out and he got in trouble. Then he came back home to me, and he told me that he got locked up. Wow. So that initial, you know, that initial happening, um, I was, like, surprised, but I thought that it was, like, nothing. Until, like, a couple of weeks later, we kind of figured out that this is something a little bit more serious. So how do you deal with that? How did you prep for that? Clearly, this is all new to you, so, you know. Right, because I've never been I've never been through this experience. And um, it was, so when I figured out that shit got, you know, shit was getting real, I was like, oh, my God, like, my man is about to go to jail, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, there was all these numbers on the table, but, you know, my husband had a good lawyer, and he kind of, you know, he fought it down to, as best as they could, you know, and he ended up getting two years. But the initial experience was, you know, I was I was sad. I was angry. You know, I had never experienced this type of trauma, I would say, because it was a little bit traumatic for me. And, um, you know, I was just like, why? You know, like, you know, why would you do something so stupid, you know, to get yourself in trouble? But, you know, you're young and you're dumb and, you know, you're going through things. And, you know, I feel like it was just something that it just happened and it happened so very quick. Uh, but I was, like, devastated. You but know? you guys were just dating at the time, correct? Yeah. Any we, kids? Yes. No, we didn't have any children at the time. We were just dating. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, mad. You know, I was just really upset because I was just like, <sighs> some more bullshit. You know what I mean? Like... It was like a heavy weight that was on my shoulders because I had like no clue. I was like, okay, what's, you know, what's going to happen now? You're about to go to jail. You know, what the hell do you do? How do you explain that to your family? I mean, you know, you was dating him since 2000, what you said? 2008. 2008. So the family knows him. Your friends know him. How right. do you even bring this to light? So um, I had to explain to, like, my mom and my family and my son mostly that, you know, my man at the time was going to go to jail. Um, And everybody was, everybody was upset. You know, everybody was upset. And it was just, like, just traumatizing. You know what I mean? Like, I remember back to to that time and how I felt. I was just very, like, traumatized. So, you know, we went through the motions together, you know, because we had conversations. So throughout this span, a year was passing. Right. And um, he had to turn himself in. 
So I remember that day, like it was like yesterday, because we went to the courthouse and it was me, it was my mother-in-law. You know, she wasn't my mother-in-law at the time, but it was my mother-in-law and his aunt. So it was interesting to 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 see because I have never had to go through like the court system and go through this. There was a lot of people there. I remember it was a beautiful day. This was in Maine. It was sunny. It was nice outside. And the courtroom was like full of people. So where you should have been somewhere in the beach at that point, you was here in the court system. Yes, I sure was. And it was interesting to see because it was a lot of different people. I remember seeing like this old Asian lady getting locked up. And I was sitting there in the bench and I was like, shit, what the fuck did she do? Right. This literally this old little Asian lady with glasses. I was like, damn. Like they just really like locking motherfuckers up. Listen, I hate to say that, but sometimes you got to meet those quotas and you be wondering why some people are going to prison. But <laughs> that might be one of those reasons. I don't know what she did, but that must suck. I, yeah, I was just like, I was pretty much like in awe. So they took him in and, um, you know, it was a really, really sad day. And then finally, you know, like a few weeks, I think it was not that day. I think it was like a weekend. He ended up at Micah's Island. Wow. He was in Rikers Island, and it wasn't my first time visiting Rikers because I've had people locked up before in Rikers, but it was like a really different experience. You know, you had to take a bus to go to Rikers Island. Oh, I know. Q100, in case nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) Sucks. Like the longest ride to Rikers. Yeah. You know, I was by myself. I got on the bus, and the experience itself was just like horrible. You know what I mean? It's like you're on the line. You're there for a while. You go in. The dogs, the dogs had to sniff you. I'm like, fuck. Like, I honestly felt like I was a criminal. It's degrading. It's degrading. And and how do you prep for that? Because obviously, you know, if you live through life trying to do the right thing all the time and I hear you are with someone who you fell in love, right? And you have, you're definitely going to have his back 100%. Right. But now you're going through the system the way he is, maybe in a different way. But every time you go visit him is an issue. And I know because I used to, I, I visited a boyfriend back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it was a horrible experience. I went with his mother and I thought it was a long process. You get there early in the morning. You don't see him till like about two hours later. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taking everything from your pen to what's underneath your bra. Yeah. Do you have a wire in your bra or yeah. not? Yeah. You know, I'm surprised they just don't make you spread your cheeks and want to know what's in there, too. But Yo. it's like, you know, you do it because you love who you with and, you know, you're trying to support. But to, you know, to what extent? So for you, this was horrible. That I shit was the craziest. Imagine. Yo, when they when they brought the dogs out, don't fuck that fucking dog sniffed my motherfucking crotch. Seriously? <laughs> I was like, yes. Was that a new I thing? Because, like, I mean, when I went, I was like maybe back in the 90s. I don't know. I don't know I didn't if experience it's a new that. thing or not, but I know they brought the motherfucking dogs out, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Right. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Mind you, that was just like that was just like the tip of the iceberg for this for this first visit. Because I had to go through the dogs, then I had to go through security, then I had to go and get on another bus that took me to another building. Literally, it took me three hours to get to finally see him for a one-hour visit because the visits in Rikers are only one hour. Right. So I went through all that motherfucking shit for one hour. 
And how cute were you getting visit. in that bus for that one hour? No, bitch. <laughs> no. I was not cute. I went in there with a fucking ponytail, some sweatpants. I'm like, nah, I, I ain't you with the shit. You just didn't care. You just was there to support. You Hell didn't care. no. I just wanted to see him, make sure he was good. And that's what I did. Right. So after that experience, you know, then he got shipped upstate. And that was a whole nother different experience, I must say. Sure? I have to, I have to applaud and big up anybody that has gone through this experience and has made it out on the other side still a sane person because this shit right here so the first visit upstate was the drive was eight hours right we thinking that we're gonna get there and we're gonna be like the first ones right bullshit because nobody tells you that before You get there. Mind you, we got there at 5 o'clock in the morning. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, they had already dropped off three buses full of people. Wow. So by the time we got there at 5 in the morning, we were like number 47. So what does that mean? That means we got to fucking wait a long time. Oh, man. (laughs) That's what that meant. That meant that we had to wait a long time. But how was that process different from Rikers? If you could explain a little bit about that. So the process was different because the drive is all the way upstate. It was by Canada. Okay. It was cold as fuck. I can imagine. Um, Wait, it was cold in May? No, oh, this was this? this was already like months in. Okay. This this already had when they shipped him upstate, it was already months in before I went to go see him. I think it was like no, was the first visit was it in the summertime, I think. So it wasn't cold. But I think the second visit. No. Cause he had went to a different facility and then they shipped him up. So okay. It, it was rather chilly. Okay. Um, so we get there and we're like I went with his sister and his mom and we get there and it's fucking crowded. And there's people in this, like, little holding house, you know, where the people go and they bring their packages and whatever. Mind you, this is the first, our first visit. I've never done this before, this upstate visit. Um, is it a small place? It's very confined or is... It's a big place. Okay. The The waiting area was kind of big, though. But when you get there, right, so I'm, like, in stretchy pants, my hair's in a bun. I think I barely combed my hair because I'm like, fuck, we're about to take this eight-hour drive. I ain't with the shit. How about I get there, right? And I'm like, you know what? I got to pee. Let me go to the bathroom. I walk into the bathroom, and the women's bathroom is so crowded because chicks are in there combing their hair, blowing their hair out, curling irons out this chick one chick was butt ass naked because she's trying to get into this hot sexy outfit it was just like what the fuck is going on here i know exactly what you're talking about unfortunately one of my nephews he ended up upstate as well and lucky for you you drove in a car for eight hours yeah okay well we were on a peter pan bus mm-hmm. anybody who was on the peter pan bus listeners you know what i'm talking about <laughs> You get there early, the bus is crowded, it's eight hours, full of women who probably didn't bathe because they're waiting to take a shower when they get Mm. to the prison because Mm. it smell (sighs) funky. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible, though. It it was terrible. I mean, at one point, this one girl screams, 
is someone eat Cipro? <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, wow. So anybody I had, that doesn't know what Cipro is, it's an antibiotic. Yes. And I'm going to just leave that right yeah, there. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> However, it will help and cure a lot of stuff. <laughs> but anyhow, I had a similar experience in which I went to use the restroom. I'm not there to visit my man. I'm there to visit a relative. However... Mm-hmm. The bathroom was crowded. You had girls, like, if you allow them, probably waxing down there trying right. to get ready. Like, they're going to do something with their man. Right. So, I get it. So, go ahead. Continue. And I hear that, like, I'm not knocking nobody for doing that. Much respect if that's what you want to do. But a bitch belly combed her hair. Because I'm like, motherfucker, if I'm coming up here eight hours, you lucky I brushed my teeth. Right. Just to come see you for this fucking visit. You know so we get maybe there. they weren't their woman. Maybe they were the side chick. Maybe. Because, you know, that happens to them. That's, a, that's another story for another day. <laughs> but this is part one of the two. So we have plenty of time. Right. So I get there and I'm like really surprised because I'm just like, wow, like this is what happens. Okay. So we're sitting there and hours, um, hours pass. And finally they call our name to go on the visit. So okay. we go in there. We got to go through security again. They got to check you, blase, blase. You go through the metal detectors. Finally, you go on the visit. Now, this place, it was, you know, it was relatively clean. It was, you know, cool for what it was. It was very, like, cold and just, like, the atmosphere was really, it was really sad because I saw a lot of people, you know, I saw a lot of women there that looked like mothers, you know, like grandmas and ladies with their children. You know, there was a lot of little kids that were on the visit and and you was there with your mother-in-law mm-hmm. your mother-in-law now and your sister-in-law so how was right. that for them um it was it was difficult you know i could tell that they were a little uncomfortable but you know you you do what you got to do you know that's her son and and her brother so we're just supporting as best as we can okay but um the feeling it, it just made me sad because, you know, you see the kids and they're, you know, playing with their dads or their uncles, whoever they went to see. And it's just like, it just, it made me really sad. And, you know, it got, it, it put a lot of things in perspective for me as far as, you know, where, you know, we want our lives to go after this experience. But how long was that whole experience before you even got to see him? So, uh, so after that, so from when we got there, it was about, we waited like four hours. Until four hours fi- before mm-hmm. you... Four hours before we could finally see him. So we got there at five in the morning, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, like, we got to see him, like, around 11 o'clock, almost 12 o'clock. So wow. By that time, you must have been starving, like ready more for than lunch. Four. I, was, right. I was fucking hungry, and I was cranky, and I was tired. And when they had their vending machine with the oodles and noodles and stuff like that, <laughs> they, I mean, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, they you, had the, the you, vending machines with the, the pizzas you, and the, the cookies. The pizzas and the crackers, and it tastes like filet mignon because you've been starving all morning. Yo. Waiting through this process. That bag of Doritos, though, that shit hit different. Oh, of course. <laughs> that tasted really good that day, huh? That shit hit different when you starving and you had such a long trip. The pits. I can imagine. But anywho, so we got through that visit. And I didn't go up there. That was the only visit um, that I went up upstate. Because then a few months later after that, I think it was like almost a year in. uh, After a year and they brought him downstate a little bit. So the drive was um, a little bit closer. It was a three-hour drive then. Okay. 
So now I, you know, I promised him, I'm like, when you come home, when you're home, you know, when you're a little closer to home, I'll go every other weekend. So then that became my life from like June to, you know, I think it was six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was six months. So I was trying, I was driving every three hours. I was driving three hours every Sunday, every other Sunday for six months. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but you did mention, you, you know, in previous uh, episodes, we've mentioned that you have an older son, right? Yeah. So how was that conversation for you to have him considering, you know, we're trying to prevent our kids from going down a path where it'll lead them to prison or lead them to, you know, jail, any time of detention time. So what kind of conversation did you have with him so he can understand, you know, how this process works, how it, how did he can deal with it, how right. could he avoid it? Well, when we sat down with him after, you know, after everything happened and before the visits, we kind of sat down with him and we told him what was going to happen, what was going on. He actually came with me to one of the visits, you know, one of the visits upstate and he was like, damn, this drive is long. You know what I mean? And I kind of gave him the pep talk, which I always do. I try to talk to my son all the times about things that are going on. You know, the streets, you know, they're not apologetic. You know, so it's hard out there. So you got to be careful. You know, the company you keep and shit that happens, you got to try to stay out of jail. You know what I mean? Because unfortunately, us black and brown people, you know, we be in jail a lot. Right. For bullshit. Absolutely. For the most part. Absolutely. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so after those visits, you know, it was... After that first initial visit, it kind of was just like, it was weird, you know, because I was by myself and I was trying to keep myself busy. So I ended up going back to school. Okay. You know, I got my degree. That was one of the things that helped me. Thank you. That was one of the things that kind of helped me keep my sanity. And stay focused. And stay focused because it's like, you know, what do you do when a loved one is going through a situation like this? You know what I mean? What do you do to keep yourself busy? You know, what do you do to keep your mind occupied? You know, how do you stay sane? Most of all, because you're doing the time with them. Yeah. Right. Yes. So yeah. You're not ready. You don't know, you know, what you go through. They don't understand what you go through. You know, right. it's hard for them, but it's also hard for you. Right. And it's kind of like sad because when you go see them, it's almost like you're a little selfish because she's like, I want you out. And, but then they're doing their time and it's like you're putting pressure on them and you're feeling some type of way. How did you deal with that? So I have to say that I have an amazing, I have an amazing support system. My friends, you know, and my family just held me down really, really, really like through it all. You know, I have amazing friends, you know, the ones that were there that kept in contact, you know, I had friends that we would go out on the weekends, you know, they would come to my house, you know, they just kept me busy. They kept me busy. They kept my mind occupied. And, you know, we would have these conversations and, you know, there were a lot of days where I felt like, oh, can I really do this? Right. You know, and I would say for anybody that's going through this particular situation, you know, you have to mentally be strong so how do you know that he was worth the time because like i mentioned before 
he's not the only one doing the time, so are you. And this happens, you know, I'm sure all our listeners who have been through this experience know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. You know, are you doing it and it's worth the while? Is he going to come out and be there for you and support you considering you've done the bid with him? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's very, very difficult to go through something like this. Right. So it's like, how did you stay positive? How did he um, make you feel secured? So we had this very conversation um, right before he turned himself in. And we kind of had this conversation like this can either make us or break us. Okay. You know, either either this is going to make us stronger or after this ordeal and, you know, the roller coaster of emotions that we're both feeling, um, either it's going to work or, or it's not. And we kind of just took it from there. Like, you know, I figured out that. I love this man and I'm willing to, you know, stick by him through a difficult time. Right. Because it's so easy to be with someone when everything is great. Right. The chips are up. Everybody's happy and things are great and, you know, whatever's happening. But when shit is down, that's when you realize who's in your corner. Absolutely. Well said. It's hard. Right. It's hard and not a lot of people survive, but obviously, you know, you did. And so, you know, keep telling us about how that was for you. Yeah, I did. It's, you know, I would say that anybody that's going through or has gone through this, you really just have to, like I said, have a strong mentality. You know, you have to know why you're doing this, right? You have to really ask yourself, like, is this worth me doing this? Because your life is on hold. You know, and it's a lot of inconvenience financially. First of all, financially, it puts a strain on you, right? Because you are supporting someone that cannot support themselves. Commissary packages, um, you know, shit like that. That that adds up and it costs. Not only that, tying you down because now you also can go about your life freely the way you want it to because you have to be home at a certain time when they are calling waiting you. Waiting for phone calls. Waiting for phone calls, exactly. That was a bitch. I, I could imagine. Oh, my God. I think that was like the wor- that was like the worst shit about this whole you know going through this whole bit, the motherfucking phone calls, because it's like sometimes you don't really know when they're gonna call unless they have a set schedule. But you know what would really freak me out? It's like if I didn't hear from him, like in a day, I would be like, oh my god, I haven't heard from him. Is he okay? Like it's shit like that that kind of like fucks with your mental. Because right. it's just like, yo, what the hell is going on? Is everything all right? You know, you 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 hear horror stories about shit that goes on in the prisons and in the jail systems and, you know, these types of horror stories. And it's like, oh, my God, like, you just want your loved one to be safe. And did you ever experience a time when you went to visit and you saw him bruised or... No, thank God. Did he ever mention anything, you know? No, he got into just... an altercation when he first got there, but it wasn't anything crazy. You know, people like to test you. Of course. You know, when you're like, you're the, you're the newbie on the block. You're the rookie. And it's like, you know, my, my man ain't with the shits. So it's like, it is what it is. It just it happened that, you know, he got into a little altercation, but that was all good. And jail's not for everyone. No. You have to be very strong-minded. Yes. It's, it's, it's horrible. You know, I'm speaking, I'm speaking from an outsider's point of view, but I know that for him, it was... It was not an easy bid because he was away from his his family. But knowing the person that he is, um, he kept himself together. You know, because his 
he kept his core person together. Okay. If that makes sense. It does make sense. So what did he do to keep himself, you know, distracted and kind of focused he on... He wrote a lot. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of letters. A lot, a lot of letters. You know, writing back and forth. That was that was one of the things that kept us in, con- you know, constant communication. So how do you know it was real for you? Because we all know and we all heard stories. You know, you have men who sometimes are in jail. They're bored. They don't only write to you. They write to many people. How oh, do you yeah. know for a fact that it was just <laughs> you? And I hate to put you in the spot. You know, you being my friend. I'm just saying because... You know, while you're saying this, somebody might be listening and rolling their eyes like, bitch, please. (laughs) You know, they do whatever to stay focused. Listen, you know what they say? There's a saying, a Spanish saying. Ojos que no ven, corazón que no siente. You know what that means? In English, that means eyes that don't see, heart that doesn't feel. What I can tell you is, is If you don't see it, it doesn't hurt you. Exactly. Okay. So if, if there was some shit going on, till this day, I don't know about it. So I can't I can't speak on it. You okay. know what I mean? No, I'm just asking you and I have to bring it up because obviously you have these cases where as a matter of fact, the time that I went to see my boyfriend mother, back mother in the 90s, me. there was this one inmate who booked two girls at the same time. Oh, now God. they came and she's <laughs> like, I'm here for this person. And he's like, and and she's like, excuse me? Because that's who I came to see. Now it's funny because they missed this at the beginning when <laughs> when you, they first got in asking for the same person. I think, I think the, the, the correctional officers did it on purpose so it could be yeah. very entertaining for the rest of the people. Yeah. <laughs> However, yeah, she's like, I'm here to see the same person. Because he forgot that he booked the same girl at the same time. And I thought it was mm. funny then, but it's not funny for someone who right. really cares about somebody, has right. a relationship, do these people be running games, and I have to bring it up. So I'm so glad that this is not the case for you. Just wanted to, you know, kind of like put it out there because somebody must be rolling their eyes saying, yeah, girl, you're not the only one. Yeah. But you are the only one. So excuse yes. you, listener. As, <laughs> as far as I know, I am the only one. And it was never a case that I got to a visit and there was somebody else on a visit. That never happened. Um, But I have heard stories about that. You know, shit be happening like that. Niggas in jail be doing some crazy shit. Um, but hey, to each his own. You know, everybody has a way that they do their time. But how we how we did our time, you know, we spent it a lot on the phone and writing letters and just, you know, talking about a lot of things that that would be happening when we did get our phone time, because phone time was really important. That was kind of one of the things that kept us both sane. I think, when we were able to speak to each other and just, you know, try to have regular conversation like, hey, how was your day? You know, how was work? How's, you know, the kid? You know, stuff like that. So how long was he in there for? Um, A little bit less than two years. Okay. So how was life after prison? So life um, after prison has been actually, um, in the beginning, it was a little bit difficult, right? Because things were different, you know, and before he left to jail, we had just like moved in, like, moved in together a couple of months before he went away. So he was coming back and we had to get accustomed to, you know, life being together and, you know, living together. So that was a little rough in the beginning. You know, we had our, you know, ups and downs and stuff like that. But, you know, 
it was good. It was good him coming back. You know, he got into a routine and just trying to figure stuff out. So it wasn't terrible. But, you know, we f- we had figured out that when he came home, it's like, yo, we made it. You know, we made it through this journey, this difficult journey, you know, because we kept ourselves busy. We kept ourselves, you know, uh, mentally strong. Uh, so that kind of like worked for us. Okay. And so what's your status with your boyfriend is he your boyfriend husband he's my husband we got married okay so congratulations thank you baby how was that for you how did you things happen so quickly like as soon as he came home i'm like i was pregnant so wait what What? like literally that same month literally wow yeah i got pregnant like for real for real (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i got pregnant and we got married and it was just like hey this is what it is you had a lot of catching up to do a lot of catching up to do obviously it was two years of you know being lonely should you get lonely (laughs) listen (laughs) I hear you. <laughs> I miss him like crazy. But, you know, that that time that he was gone, I think it was a really good time for both of us to um, have a lot of reflection and how we want our lives to go. And, you know, my suggestion for anybody that is going through this type of situation, you know, you just you have to really know why you're doing this. You know, if you're going through it and just keep yourself busy. You know, keep yourself busy doing positive things. You know, if you have family, you know, try to be involved. If you have, you know, things that you like to do, you like to go to the gym, you like to, you know, hang out with your friends. It makes it makes a difference and it makes the time go a little bit faster. But anyone that's actually doing the time with a loved one, it it doesn't really seem that way. But honestly, you know, speaking back on it today and thinking about it, you know, last year because he's already been home for a year it's like wow time really does fly it does it really does you know we we look back well actually you know let's let's really look at this for a moment it does it really flies to you because you're out here right right but for someone who's in prison, and I have to put that into perspective because, you know, there are people who are in there every day seems like an eternity. Yes. You know, so that's why, you know, I commend you because, you know, for women who are dating inmates right now, currently, and you're listening, um, first of all, thank you for listening. I just want you to know that you're doing the time. You have to commit just as much as they are mm-hmm. because when they come out, they're going to be very happy and supportive to you that you supported them through their time. But, you know, every day that goes by pretty quick for you does not, it's not that quick for them. You right. know, every day does feel like an eternity. And so this is part one of two for this podcast today, this topic, because, you know, men do go through, you know, some psychological um, emotions while they're in there. That's a fact. You know? And there's this thing called post-incarceration syndrome mm-hmm. disorder, mm-hmm. right? And there's a mental disorder that occurs to individuals that are currently in prison. And when they come out, because it's how do you deal? How is life after prison? Right. You know, you're so used to a uh, schedule. A routine. And routine. Right. And it's like really hard for you to adjust. It's really hard for you to just get up in the morning and just forget all that. And right. start fresh, like, you know, like normal people would just get up, go to work and go about your life. Right. Because some people, too, it's hard, like, especially like, you know, men or women that have done like really long, long bids or, you know, long stretches, you know, coming home. It takes it takes 
you know, it gets, it's really hard to kind of like get acclimated back into society. Some people have like real issues with that. Like it becomes really difficult to kind of get back into the swing of things. You know, you talk about 20 years ago, you you do a 20 year bid, you come out as 2020 and it's like, shit, this motherfucking self checkout. <laughs> Right. Like, you mean to tell me, like, I got to scan my own shit? You know, and that's just an example I'm I'm using. But, you know, a lot has changed in 20 years, you know, especially for someone that is in jail and is doing a bit, you know, and 20 years have, have passed them by. Right. But now that you're married, how has it been so far? I mean, because, you know, we have heard great stories. Obviously, the person comes out, they get married, they have kids. But. You know, like I mentioned, this disorder sometimes kind of just sticks with them for a while, because if you're not receiving any type of therapy or anything, sometimes you do things that you're so accustomed to that can affect a relationship. So, you know, how has it been for you as of right now? And what what advice can you give to our listeners? So in the in the beginning of him coming home, it was a little weird. Um, I would say that he was just a little bit tweaked. Um, Nothing crazy. But it was just, it was different. And it took him a little while to, you know, get back into the swing of things. Only because, you know, two years is two years out of somebody's life. You know, two years is not 20 years. But two years being behind bars is, like you said, an, an eternity. So, you know, I would just say to anybody that's going through this, you know, hold your head. You know, like I said, you know, surround yourself with positive people. You know, get out try to do things that keep your mind busy because a lot of the times, you know, they say the idle mind is dangerous, you know, because you're just thinking all day long, you're thinking, but if you're doing stuff, I think that's the best, that's the best way to do a bid with somebody. Awesome. Well, he's very lucky to have you. Oh, I tell him that all the time. No, he really is. <laughs> Listen, if you're listening, you are very lucky to have her. This is very hard. It's not an easy process. Um, we hear stories all the time. As you mentioned, you watch the Netflix. Um, you watch the Netflix documentary on right. that athlete. And it's, it's really hard for women. It's really hard for women. It's, it's hard if you have children. Right. And it's hard for the families. You know, moms, especially moms, right? This is our podcast, Notorious Moms, just right. having our kids you know, incarcerated is one of our biggest fears. And once we're there, we just, you know, what what can I say? It, it's just so difficult, difficult to even think or wrap your head around the fact that one of your own is in prison. So the fact that they had that they have a support system and they have a beautiful wife like you taking care of your man is a beautiful thing. And, you know, the reason why we're doing a part two is we want to be able to hear both sides of the story right you know um obviously it's really difficult for a woman but it could just be as difficult if not more for the person who was incarcerated for all this time right and you know it's good to hear his perspective on this matter and i want you to stay tuned and continue to listen to yeah that's gonna be on the next one absolutely so please stay (laughs) tuned i i really do you know want the listeners to kind of understand and get a feel for what it is to have someone go through this. And if this can help you, this makes me very happy as well. Tanya, 
and uh, take it. Yeah, away. this shit. This shit is the fucking pits. <laughs> you know, go, going through this experience. You know, it has its good sides and it has its bad sides. And I think that um, just being focused is really important too, because um, you know, just knowing what will come out on the uh, like, how are you gonna come out on the other side? That's also what kept us going too, because like you know, that's we always know, and we kind of always kept it as you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel you know what I mean some people you know there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel or they can't see it you know but we did and and I think that was great it helped us you know just being there and just supporting one another that's really essential to one's well-being you know just try to keep it together as best as possible well I guess all of your support and all of the patients paid out. You guys are married. You have a beautiful little girl. And he's been an exceptional father from what I hear. And so, you know. And, and he's amazing. Yeah. So I in part complain. two, I can't wait to hear what um, he has to say. Yeah, about he's going to give you the juicy deets. He will. <laughs> but this he, will really be, got, he really got all the tea. Well, this is just the We prequel. need him to spill the tea here in Notorious <laughs> Moms. Yes. It's definitely no, it's I, I appreciate that you was able to share the story. Not everyone feels comfortable talking about, you know, being in a relationship with someone who's an inmate. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people don't know that about me. You know what I mean? Because to some people, anybody that was close to me knew what I was going through, but other people don't, you know, other people didn't. Right. You know what I mean? And that was that was fine, too. I didn't think at the moment that that was something that I wanted to share. But I think that, you know, sharing my story, I hope that, you know, my story can give people some kind of like solace and, you know, some kind of peace to know that, you know, things things can work out after such a traumatic experience. There is it's a not light. always bad. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. That and is a fact. we have to tap into that. So I can't wait to hear his side of the story. Guys, please stay tuned to Notorious stay Mom. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening yes. to another episode. Tanya and Gina, Notorious Moms. Can't wait to hear from you guys again. Please tune in. Peace out.